The feed is the official home of Pillar Performance in America, and it's the only place Pillar Performance is available to buy from if you live in America. And so if you're an American who listens to how they train and hears me go on and on about how much Pillar Performance's triple magnesium has helped my sleep and wants to try it for yourself, then head to thefeed.com and grab yourself some. The best part is my discount code HTT20 works there as well. And that gets you 20% off all of your Pillar Performance products. It also helps support the show. I've been a terrible sleeper my whole life and it got to a point where it was really negatively affecting my training, my work and my relationships. And that's why I started buying Pillar Performance's Triple Magnesium for myself, just to see if it helped. And I seriously can't recommend it enough. If you've ever thought to yourself, I just don't think I fall asleep that easily or I don't feel refreshed when I wake up in the morning like I did every single night and every single morning, then trust me, try Pillar Performance for yourself Head over to thefeed.com to grab it and use the discount code HTT20 to get yourself 20% off. Max Newman, wow. PTO European Open champion. How are you feeling, mate? Yeah, I've woken up. I woke up feeling good, but then, uh, yeah, 10 a.m. here and um, I'm starting to, yeah, on the come down, that's for sure. <laughs> I always at about 10 a.m. just absolutely crash and everything starts seizing up. So, um, nah, it was, a, it was an incredible day yesterday. Um, you know, you got the best guys that had ever raced the sport um, all in one spot. Um, like you can't really ask for more as, as a, as an athlete and, and as a fan of the sport as well to um, be a part of sort of history, I guess. I think what we do, Max, is, is what we always do when we, we get you on the podcast because you're probably the best person or best athlete we've ever had do it on the podcast, and that's the Max Newman post-race report. Uh, we started with Kona last year and then <laughs> obviously over in WA, and I know I've told you a few times off air, like your, your race reports are easily top three to five highlights of, of the podcast for me. So let's dive right into that, mate. Give me a famous Max Newman race report. <laughs> um, yeah, right. Well. Um... Yeah, no, we got to Ibiza a good 10 days before the race. Um, and we got over jet lag really quickly, which is the first time in a long while I've been able to sort of get over that. Um, but yeah, we got a night, really nice place out of town. It was really relaxing in the countryside and um, with a nice little resident cat that <laughs> keeps stuff nice and calm here. So, um, yeah, it felt like being at home sort of thing. You know, we just drive to town, um, go swimming. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a really, really relaxed lead up. I really couldn't ask for a more relaxed um, building. Um, but yeah, race day, um, I didn't really have any interview commitments. I didn't really have anything. So I sort of just rolled in like I usually do. Um, treat like any race at home sort of thing. Just a really relaxed, relaxed environment. But yeah, the swim, uh, we started on the right side there. Um, I think that was a good option. Looked like from videos, we got a the quickest line for sure. Um, but yeah, we got a good start. I think I 
came out first lap um, just off the leaders, and I think Aaron and Jan pushed it the second lap a bit, and they had a tiny gap. But um, I think uh, I really tried to focus on the transitions there, um, and I ran up a little bit further up the road, which I saw a couple of other people doing just to get there. Was because it was quite a steep um, mountain line there, so I just tried to run up and uh, yeah, jump on where it was a little bit flatter, and um, I felt like that was. Better because I just I think I just made onto that back of that group being Ben Canute. Um, but yeah, the first two laps really just stung the legs a lot. I was really hurting. Um, I think Ali and uh, Kyle were really quite pushing it there. So I was really surprised when I saw Ditlev was like closing in. So he must have absolutely motored that first two laps. Um, but yeah, after that, I think. When we sort of realised that Ditlev um, sort of and uh, Blumenfeld was sort of on his wheel there, I was like thinking, oh no, this is this is not what we wanted. Um, but yeah, then there was a weird point of the race where I think it was Ali or Kyle was riding the front. And I looked back through the tunnel. It might have been the fourth lap, and I looked back and they're about I don't know, maybe three hundred meters behind. But I heard in the after the race, Ditlev did a tactical, a tactical drop back, um, which is crazy to think how much confidence that would take to do that. Um, but yeah, he apparently dropped back. Um, we got a gap. Uh, when I saw we had a gap, I still went to the front on that lap just to burn a few bickies to try and extend the gap. It's pretty much the only time I went to the front for about 10k, and I think we, I think we consolidated the gap there, and then then I think Ditlev. Um, solid across again, which is pretty cool to think um, you can do that. Um, but he was he raced pretty smart to, to his abilities, I guess, and worked to his strengths. Um, but yeah, it was just Ellie and Kyle really pushed the pace in the bike. So I was surprised when we hopped off the bike when Ellie went went away at about fucking probably two fifty pace, two fifty five pace. I was thinking, oh no, this is a <laughs> This is Ali of old days. Um, I always think about a race that Ali did in Stockholm where he just broke away and he only had 10 seconds off the bike, but he ended up outrunning, outrunning Gomez and all those guys. And I think about that all the time. It's one of the all-time greatest races I've ever seen. Um, but I, I just thought that he was he was gone and I was thinking, oh, well, this is, this is cool. Like Ali's at his best, you know, um, this is what you want. Um, but yeah, he ended up fading a little bit. Um, and I slowly, slowly crawled back there. I think two laps into it, um, I was feeling pretty good by then. Um, but the the A stations were really hard to get any coke or nutrition. So I had, I brought two gels with me, but I sort of ran out of nutrition about the third or fourth lap. I, I could feel my my fingers and toes sort of going that numbness feeling you get from glycogen. Um, so I really just got two gels in that fourth lap, um, put them away. And I sort of started feeling all right, but I was running absolutely scared shitless because um, Christian was coming up pretty fast. Um, and you never know with Christian, like he's one of those guys who could easily pop out at 240 for the last 2K. So I didn't take – I had no idea. I was literally just running – um, as fast as I could go that last lap, hoping that if Christian came past, well, that's, you know, <laughs> good on him. He, he deserves it. Um, 
I didn't look back once. I sort of just ran and first time I looked back was in the finish sheet. Um, and yeah, luckily I, I had about, he only got down to about 20 seconds. I think he called back about, um, nearly a minute. So, um, yeah, came down to 20 seconds and luckily that was, <laughs> that was enough of a gap, um, coming into the, the last sort of K there. And, um, yeah, it was pretty, uh, surreal feeling crossing the line first and, um, easily the biggest win of my career. Maxi, all of the talk in the lead up to the race was on Jan, Christian, Alistair, and then we'd hear like a little bit about Magnus Ditliv and Sam Laidlow, um, even Jason West, uh, crazily before yourself. I, I really feel like no one was speaking about you. Did you feel that, A, and B, did you think you could win the race going into it? Um, well, firstly, I yeah, I don't really, doesn't really bother me. I, I think because I don't put much out there, I don't think people really uh sort of care too much going into the races um so I, I think you just sort of semi get forgotten which is half of half of the tactic i was using um just going in silent and no having no media commitments um literally nothing so i mean that's what works best for me in the in the past but um probably won't be able to do it now but um yeah, it doesn't really bother me. Like the thing is, I still haven't fully proven myself at the distance yet. So, I mean, it's expected. And when you come to these races, when you got the best athletes to have ever done the sport, they're not going to really choose me for the most exciting <laughs> uh, content. When they got these guys, um, literally the whole world of triathlon is obsessed with. So, um, yeah, these races are good to come to if you want to fly under the radar because you got these. <laughs> these top guys here who take the heat off you and you can just fly in under the radar. Um, but yeah, going to the second part, there's no way I ever expected to win. Um, you don't go into a race expecting to win. Um, there's just, Charleston, there's just, there's just too much that can go wrong. So I think if you can just put yourself in a, a semi winning position, um, I think, yeah, you got a, as good as chances as anyone, as you, as, as we saw yesterday. So, um, I don't think, yeah, you ever go into a race expecting to win, not, not any race. Um, so yeah. It's funny you say that about not having any media commitments the week before I literally, um, I was, we were laughing about this last night. I have a, a message group about the podcast, about guests I'm going to get on. And there was like a suggestion in there, like, do we get Maxi on? And there's a message from me that's literally like, no, don't bother about it. The last thing Max wants is us like annoying him <laughs> on race week. And I'm like, would love to talk to him, but just not even going to bother sending the message. Because uh, like I could just picture you getting the message and be like, oh, fucking hell, <laughs> which is pretty funny <laughs> that you've said that. Um, my, my question, Max, is did you feel like your form going into the race was say at the same level as going into Kona last year or, or around that sunny coast point, or do you feel like you're not quite at that level? Yeah, no, we're not. I don't think we're quite there yet. Uh, we're only in May. I've never really raced well in May before. So it's sort of the first time I've actually had a decent race in the early season. And I think the last couple of years I've had horrible early season races and sort of built it into use the, use the like, having not so good performances as sort of motivation to to train more efficiently, do everything better um, for later season. So um, I think we still got a lot of work to do. I think, um, yeah, if you really want to peak at these races, I think um, there's a lot of more work that can be done on the run um, that we haven't really touched yet. 
but then again, it's also such a risk when you when you run that line um, of injury. So I think it's worth um, the risk um, the risk to not do as much run training and um, hopefully rock up to race day in a fresher and no injuries and have that consistency for the last you know sort of two months. So, um, but no, we're sort of focusing now on the longer stuff. So we'll start into some more longer. Um, bike days and stuff like that leading to Hamburg. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think going into Nice, um, that's still a long way away. Um, I think that'll be the biggest, the big target for this year now. So Max, when you're in those final few kilometers of the run and you just, you're all in, you're all in, you're not looking back, you're running as fast as you can. And if Christian catches you, he catches you. What are you actually saying to yourself in inside your own head at that time? What is your thought process? I was, I was swearing to myself. Um, I think I swear a few times out loud. Um, <laughs> just genius. You just got to like, I don't know. It's a weird thing. It's a weird feeling. You just, uh, you're literally just running for your life. I think it's, um, like I was talking to Holly this morning. We're, we're just saying like, um, it's like a weird thing that athletes must have that year. A feeling that I don't think many people would really feel in their life. You know, just running. It feels like you're literally running for your for your life like it's such a human instinct um just to keep going if you get caught you're gonna sort of die sort of thing it's a very weird sort of feeling that you get so um yeah i was just running for my life and uh hoping that uh christian didn't uh take me down so (laughs) um i think all athletes have that hey it's like um well all athletes are successful you know have that have that sort of um, instinct that they that you get, you know, that's just like, yeah, it's very like um, caveman sort of instinct sort of thing. But yeah, it's, it can be dangerous as well. <laughs> You've seen it many times on uh, in sport when people just completely um, go over their limits and collapse and um, their body just completely shuts down. So um, yeah, it's a fine line. I think you could tell that you were, like going through that emotion when you crossed the line. It was, um, Max, it was a real special moment watching you cross the line uh, as, as a triathlon fan. The emotion you showed was, mate, it was like you were like animalistic, but to a fan it was just fucking heartwarming. Like I, I just could not wipe the smile off my face when I watched you cross the line and just that release of, of emotion. How, how did that feel for you? Yeah, I mean, you can't really control it. Kind of, it's... Um sort of a natural thing that just happens I think especially when you've been chased by by Christian um and in such a such a big race like this um with with the guys you know you sort of got into the sport um following um so yeah it's 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 all just comes naturally I guess you don't really plan your finish line celebration do you so um yeah it's just uh an offload of of sort of everything, all the sacrifices you make, and um, and it's all it's all worthwhile when you uh, cross the line in the first place. So, um, I mean, people say you know, oh, you do sport for fun and stuff. Like, yeah, you do, but uh, you also do to win it. So, if you're not if you don't do it to win it, um, why are you doing professional sport? I guess so. Um, yeah, I think everyone loves winning, and uh, it um, yeah, it's a special feeling when you do it at such a big race. And what was it like as you were waiting 
like you'd, you'd cross the line and, and you'd finish first and you were waiting and then Christian Blumenfeld crosses the line and, and then Magnus Ditlev and then Jan Frodeno and Alistair Brownlee. What was it like with those guys coming towards you to congratulate you for winning? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a, it, it's a weird feeling when you're in the position. It's just like you're racing any other race, but also I think you don't realise until it sort of sinks in the next day or so that how, how sort of... Um, how sort of big of a moment that was yesterday. So I don't think uh, well I'll ever get this chance again. I don't think anyone will ever get a chance to race, you know, the three gold medals for the last, what, 12 years or no, four gold medals from the last 16 years. 16 years? Yeah, 2008 yeah. through to 2023. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty special. I don't think people will ever see that again. Those three fellows go up against each other. So, um, I think that's just what made it such a such a cool such a cool race to to watch, and I think people really really got around it yesterday. Um, and realised how how cool it is to get everyone at uh, the same race. You know, it's quite rare in the sport, um, apart from pretty much world championships. So, um, to be able to get that so early in the season in May, um, I think fans are just absolutely frothing at it. <laughs> And I guess technically we might be a family show here, but for the purposes of, of this conversation, I'm going to say, Maxi, we're not a family show here. Everyone is is quoting you and talking about you saying, no bullshit science, just fucking hard work. Talk to me about that. <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. It's not a family show. It's, it's sport. The family show is like Peppa Pig, I know, and stuff like <laughs> that. But, uh, no, it was, I don't know. It's just, uh, you know, me, me and Mitchie and, and the small crew we have, it's, um, it really is a very simple way of doing things. And uh, I think triathlons, everyone's sort of got obsessed with, you know, all that all that shit that goes on that people try and find that, you know, 1%, but they don't care about the other <laughs> other 20% that actually matters. So, um, yeah, I think we just we just do the, the things that matters right. And... Um, yeah, try not to worry about that that shit, the other shit that doesn't really matter too much. If you if you're wasting all your time doing that, and you can't actually do the stuff that really matters. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I think we're whatever we're doing is working. So, um, yeah, I can't. Uh, I don't think we can uh, complain about um, yeah, a little a little setup we got going. Speaking of uh, Mitchy, your brother and coach. Have you guys uh, mixed up anything you're doing this year? Are you sort of doing more of the same of, of what we've already talked about or, or is there any new changes with um, with the stuff you are doing? Um, for the first part of the season, we've sort of just really kept it consistent um, just to stay injury-free and build a good base um, after all the racing last year. So um, literally the last two and a half months, we've pretty much done week in, week out, almost the same thing, just building it up a little bit. Um but yeah, I mean, if we're not doing anything special, it's it's like um, it's literally like everyone says, it's literally just consistency. If you can consistently get in those weeks back to back without getting injured, looking after yourself, eating properly, um, get enough sleep, um, yeah, the results come, and yeah, and yeah, and you be smart about it. You know, you just don't be, don't self sabotage yourself. We always say that, that so many athletes self sabotage themselves by doing stupid stuff. Um, the week before a race or 
or stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think it's a lot about using using your brain um, when it comes to training and, and, you know, traveling and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, we haven't done anything new. We're sort of sticking to what works um, until it doesn't work, I guess. So, yeah. So something that a lot of you might not know is that I coach a handful of triathletes myself. I've been in triathlon for over 15 years. I've been to university and done exercise sports science. I've dabbled in racing at the highest level myself, and I've obsessed over this sport my whole life. And something that I now do with all of my new athletes when they start with me is get them to grab a pair of form goggles. In my opinion, they are a training tool every single age group and professional triathlete should have. The real-time data you get while you swim is the equivalent to your run and ride GPS computer in terms of importance for me, and no one trains without those now but a lot of people still don't use form goggles. That's why we see people like Christian Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden and Lionel Sanders using them in their training. They see it like I do, that they're just a, like they're a non-negotiable if you want to be your best. Unfortunately, your wearable GPS watch is almost completely useless in the pool, except to maybe look back on after the session. But even then, it's hard to get it exactly right because you sort of have to click start and stop and it's often not super accurate and we can like cheat ourselves a little bit. If you train for triathlon and you don't already use form goggles, you just don't know what you're missing out on. And if you do use them, then you'll know what I mean when I say you literally will never go back to not using them once you start. The same way you won't ever go back to running or riding with your GPS or power device once you start doing it, especially if you want to be the best triathlete you can be. So head to form.com or just Google form to find their website and buy yourself a pair. Use the code HTT15 for 15% off your goggles. It also supports the show. But honestly, I'd tell you, my athletes, anyone that trains for triathlon to get them, even if I didn't have any affiliation with them, the same way I bought them for myself. That's how important I think they are if, you're, if you want your swim to be the best it can possibly be. All the details for that are in the show notes. And Max, $100,000 once you cross that line. Has that sunk in yet? Like, talk to me about the the money because that's that's money unlike anything you've ever won from a race before yeah well the tax man gets a lot of that so um, <laughs> no it's pretty, it is cool it's um you know i don't really uh not really motivated too much by money but um i mean it's good to know we can invest it invest it back into what we're doing and uh hopefully that pays dividends uh down the road so um I'm not just going to go out there and spend it on cars and <laughs> and that sort of crap. So, um, yeah, we'll just invest it straight back into what we've got going here. And, um, yeah, hopefully uh, down the track it um, pays itself back. And, Maxi, you've already sort of touched on it a little bit. Um, you, you mentioned the Ironman World Championships in Nice. Is that your big goal race of the year? Because when we spoke last time, you said that you were – you were thinking maybe that you you weren't even going to target it and that you were going to focus on something else because you were a bit disappointed the race wasn't at Kona. Have you shifted on that? Yeah, I think I it was just fresh news when I was in Buffalton. Um, and it literally broke like two days before the race. And I think I was just a bit, I think like everyone was, I was just a bit surprised by the news and a bit angry. So, um, but now we're literally talking this morning. We were like, oh, it's probably actually a good thing that Kona's not on this year because I remember last year that um how hard it was on my body i literally passed out over the line and um yeah it's probably a good thing that we get two years between races so um no i think i'm actually looking forward to nice i think it's going to be pretty cool um 
we've got everything planned in the lead up now, everything booked. So, um, yeah, we'll go. Well, hopefully, go straight through Singapore, race the open there, um, and head straight to straight to France and do a nice three week prep there. Um, and yeah, yeah, hit the hit the nice course. So Singapore Open, but not but not US Open. Um, not US Open. That'll be too much. It's just uh, yeah, be too much. So I'll go home after Hamburg and then um, yeah, base myself out of Australia again and lead up to to Singapore and Nice. I think it'll be perfect. It's like three weeks apart, so it's a perfect little leading race. Singapore same time zone as Australia, so um, yeah, I think it's going to work really well. All I want to do is is talk about the result and and how like amazing it was, mate. Um, I'm I'm a little bit embarrassed about how happy I am for you and how many margaritas I drank <laughs> as a result of it. But I am going to get one serious question um, out of the way because I made a promise to myself that I would. Um, given the Colin mm-hmm. Chartier news last week, a was there much talk uh, about doping b- between the pros over there? And b can I just get your thoughts on that entire situation, Maxi? Yeah, I mean. Look, if you, if you get too wound up about it, um, you're just going to be depressed and um, ruin the sport for yourself. Um, you know, it was Colin's decision. It's none of our decision. Um, I believe the sport's 99% clean. Like, it's um, like I really, truly believe triathlon's um, one of those sports where you can be the world's best clean. So, um, I think everyone else believes that too. And I think uh, we've got a really gr- good group of guys at the moment at the top who, you know, have a lot of respect for each other. And when you have a lot of respect for each other, um, no one's really going <laughs> to find shortcuts, uh, cheat, um, cut corners, so to speak. So, um, yeah, like I said, it's Colin's decision. He made that life decision. And, uh, I mean, he deserves all the consequences he gets to um, – so, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time thinking about that. So it's just one guy in the, in the scheme of things. So um, I love the sport. I think I think from yesterday, everyone's uh, seen how good the sport can be again. And um, I think it's refreshing to see all these guys, the old timers, back back at it at the top of their game almost. And um, I think if we just enjoy the sport for what it is, um, yeah, I think it's got a, a bright future ahead of it. And from the, the most serious question I'm going to ask to the, the least serious question I'm going to ask, Maxie, <laughs> you've, you've gained about 4,000 Instagram followers uh, overnight. You've told the world that you don't give a fuck about Instagram. When are we going to get a, a, an Instagram manager on, bo- on board for you that, so that the people can start actually paying attention to you and actually start talking to you uh, about, about you before races? Look, it's a good question. I'll, um, I'll get back to you. <laughs> I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I've heard this before. <laughs> well, I'll definitely um, try my best. We'll, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely, we're definitely working on it. It's, it's very slowly, but um, we're getting there slowly. Maxie, just my last question before we wrap up, mate. I'm really respectful of your time, and mate, thank you so much for. Uh, for jumping on and, and having a, a chat like this, you know, so, so close to the race. Um, I really appreciate it. Was there a moment out on that, that race course that maybe we, the fans uh, watching it would not have like not have had access to, would not have experienced that really stuck out in your mind, like something behind the scenes out on the race course that, that you found interesting or fun. 
Um, oh, that's a good question. Um, just trying to run through the race now. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like um, Ditless Ride was pretty cool. I've never seen it, really seen anything like that. Um, I don't know if the cameras caught it, um, but I think that was pretty cool. Um, it was very tactical, very smart racing by Dilev. And I think, um, yeah, he he made the race there, um, separated Blumenfeld from the from the front group and put himself in a in a winning position there. So um, I don't know if anyone really saw that. I don't know if the commentators even picked up on it once or anything like that. So, yeah, I guess that's a little behind-the-scenes thing that maybe people didn't see. Yeah, it wasn't really shown and it definitely wasn't talked about. But um, there, mm. like I know from my own perspective, which I'm, I'm sure lots of people can relate relate to, like I was just like texting people and messaging and talking about the race more than, you know, listening to the commentary and that kind of thing. And, and we were talking about that. We were going, well, we think that was probably tactical because he dropped way back and, and fast. And then he just like, he must have rode, like honestly, mate, he must have rode 600, 650 watts for like a little period to get across there. Like it just looked like he went insane to do it. Um, so it's it's really interesting to hear that you also think that was like proper insane because, yeah, I thought that was wild. And, and ultimately might have been what won you the race, which is really crazy. Mm, yeah, it's um, it was very hard to keep up with what was going on behind because you know, um, they pretty much came back to us, um, Bloomy and Dilev and a couple of other guys. I think Bishop was there as well. Um, and then next time you look back at the next turn, and there's no one there. And the next time you look back at the next turn, and it's just um, Dilev. So um, yeah, it was it was hard to keep a track of, but um, yeah, it was a it was a cool little feature that um. I don't think anyone really, yeah, noticed. Were you surprised that at any point he didn't go to the front of that group once he got to it and just start, you know, putting down the watts he must have to get across both times from the the 90-second gap out of the swim and and then again to bridge that sort of 15, 20-second gap he let go? Yeah, I think in his post-race interview or or something like that, I heard, um, I think he said he's just, he burned a few matches doing that, which which he would. He bridged up a minute and a half pretty fast. So I think... uh, you, got, you only got so much, don't you? And you, you, want, you want to run well as well, so you don't want to absolutely fry your legs and overbike um, when you've already put yourself in a in a winning position. So, um, yeah, I don't think he, he didn't need to, and I think he knew that. He's a smart racer. You know, he's, he's very dialed on the bike. Um, he puts a lot of time and effort into into what it seems like what, what matters. So, um, yeah, I think he's a smart racer. And, Maxi, last night, did you did you have a massive night? Was it was it a whirlwind experience? Take us behind the scenes. <laughs> no, nah, not really. Um, it's uh, the nightclubs here. The cover charge is like a hundred euro. I mean, it's not, it doesn't matter. But um, yeah, we just well, I just wasn't about it uh, last night. So me and Holly just sort of had a, a nice one by the beach with some pizzas and stuff. So um, enjoy the place. It's actually really nice here. Like it's um, very unexpected. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. It's uh a lot of traffic, but um, there's some just beautiful little coves and beaches and um, like a lot of wilderness areas. It's uh, yeah, it's actually a stunning place. It's one of those places that now, like no matter what happens, will just have insane memories for you as well and be a, a really special place. And <laughs> the bouncers over there have clearly heard about you because uh, they, they've heard there's a, a bloke walking around with a hundred thousand dollar check and they're trying to take every bit of <laughs> bit of it off you already. Um, yeah, Maxie, speaking of the family, mate, Holly, your your partner, Mitchie, your coach, um, 
you know, your parents. I know you've got a really tight, tight knit little group there. What did it mean to to win a race with them there and and for them? Yeah, I think you know we. I just do it, do it for for them. I guess it's um because like a small little operation, and um I think if you just do it your way, the way you want, um yeah, it means a lot more. So I mean, everyone's yeah, we're all invested, I guess in in their own level. So um yeah, it's pretty special to have. Uh, it, it, all in-house sort of thing. And, um, yeah, Mitchie, Mitchie was pretty stoked. I don't know if he slept much. <laughs> I think it started at, like you, I think it started at 4 p.m. Australian time. So <laughs> yeah. um, I think I don't know if many people slept that night. They were pretty jacked up. So, um, nah, it's just it's just cool. I'm, I'm happy for Mitchell. Um, he works hard and, uh, yeah, hopefully he doesn't have to work full-time in the, in the near future. <laughs> and so to take us out, Maxie, What's um what's life going to look like for you for the next week or two? Like the the really um foreseeable future for you? Yeah, so we'll head to Mallorca and then um uh, well we got to get back into a pretty quick. You got Hamburg in four weeks, so um I'll probably take like two days, three days, pretty cruisy, um and then see how the body feels. If it feels alright, I'll start back. If it doesn't, I'll um I'll probably stretch it out to five days, six days, something like that, um and then get back into some work on the weekend, um. But yeah, I'm not going to push myself. Um, it was a pretty emotional day yesterday. Um, so if the body didn't take a hit, the mental state and stuff all like that would have. So um, just got to decompress, um, enjoy Mallorca, and uh, yeah, hopefully get back into some solid work um, in time for Hamburg. Awesome, Maxi. Like I already said about eight minutes ago when I said, you know, I was going to ask my last question. So happy for you, mate. Like honestly, um, so bloody happy for you. Maybe, maybe the happiest I've been for someone since I, I started doing this podcast and and getting involved in the <laughs> in the triathlon media space. I was, um, yeah, I, I almost felt like I won that race last night, and I'm sure there was lots of people around the world <laughs> like that. It was, uh, yeah, it was just bloody amazing, mate. Congratulations, seriously, you should be so fucking proud of yourself, mate. Massive, well done. Oh, I appreciate, it, mate. I love everything you're doing. You're doing good work. <laughs> we'll chat soon after you win Hamburg by about 18 minutes. <laughs> maybe not. I heard maybe Ali's racing, so Ali and Jan, so maybe we'll see how we go. Yeah, I heard rumours that, that Jan Fredino was talking about Hamburg as, as going to be a, a, like a pretty easy easy race. And I think after yesterday, Jan might be um, thinking, holy fuck, who's Max Newman? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, nah, he's part of Australia now, isn't he? He's got an Australian passport, I think, Jan. So. Yeah, he, he was over here. He lived over here last summer. Surprised he didn't actually train with you while yeah. he was over here. He was in Noosa for like a few months. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll see him in Amber, I guess. <laughs> see you, mate. Have a good, have a good rest of your day. Soak it up and uh, start spending that check. Oh no, I'll save it, mate. No spending. I think I spent thirty euros yesterday. So sensible. <laughs> Typical Max Newman. See you, mate. Right, see you, Jack. See you, brother. Dan Plews is one of the world's very best triathlon coaches. What Dan has done to transform Chelsea Sodaro into a world champion has been simply amazing to watch. And Dan is one of the very few world-class triathlon coaches who makes his training accessible to the public to use for themselves. It's an online coaching community called Endure IQ. It's a platform that has hundreds of training plans written by Dan himself to suit each individual. For example, if you only have time for six to eight hours training because of work and family, there's programs for you written by Dan. If you have time for 15 hours, then again, there's plans for you written by Dan. 
And if you want to really take things to the next level and train 25 hours a week like a professional, again, there's plans for you written by Dan. The best thing about it is that there is so many training plans that no matter who you are or what you do, you'll find one that's exactly right for you. And it costs so much less than what you, you what you would pay for getting coached by a much, much lower level coach at only $25 per week. And Dan has given us a discount code. So if you use the code HTT15, when you sign up, you'll get 15% off, making it even cheaper again. Also, probably the best part is you get direct access to Dan Plews himself to ask any questions you want about your training, your nutrition, your racing, etc. via a weekly webinar and an online forum. So if you want to take your training and racing to the next level and work with one of the very select world-class triathlon coaches we have for a fraction of the price of what they would usually charge, then head over to an Endure IQ page. Um, the link is in the description. Use the code HTT15 for that extra little discount and get stuck in it.